0: blog talk radio it's Sunday evening and welcome to blog talk radio your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn they'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week you're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us the number to call is 347-215 9442 that number again Three four seven two one five ninety four forty two. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host Robert Brining. Jeremy Dunn will be joining me in a few minutes. I want to thank you all for joining us this evening. Uh, we have a great show coming up for you. We're going to be talking about a touchy subject that seems to be. Um, very debatable throughout um, the world and online. If you read any articles on HIV criminalization and uh, we're going to be speaking with Nick Rhodes a little bit later. Uh, Jeremy, how you doing, man? Why am I not connecting? You're there. And he's not there. Okay. So while he calls back, so again, uh, we're going to be speaking about HIV criminalization. We're going to have you be able to call in and uh, ask questions later. Nick Rhodes is going to be sharing his experience. Um, Uh, And you can also tweet us your questions at POSIM, P-O-Z-I-A-M, and we'll uh, mention them on air. For those of you joining us for the first time, we want to thank you. We're here every Sunday offering hope for those living with HIV, um, spreading awareness and sharing personal stories of those who are living with the disease. So we thank you for joining us, and please come back and join us every Sunday. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar, uh, let's see, Jeremy, are you here now?
0: i I'm here.
1: Oh, hi. How are you, man?
0: I, I'm good. Can you hear me okay? It, does it sound staticky and all that?
1: No, I hear you great. I know you're just coming in from a, 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 a traveling, you know, from New York on the plane and all that, so jump into it. Tell us. How was it? Tell us. Tell oh, them my. what you were doing first.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was in New York City with um, our good friend, yours and mine, uh, Daniel Bauer. And, uh, Daniel, as we all know, is a magician, and he uh has developed a show called beyond Belief uh talking about his uh his his rise and then fall and then rise again and it's just, it's an amazing journey that and his story is accented with some amazing pieces of magic and uh and daniel um has asked me to be a part of the show. And uh, I was I was really thrilled to be a part of it. And of course, you saw it in Dallas, Robert.
1: Right. Well, I saw like I saw like a, a smaller version
0: of it, right? Right, right. So you saw you saw most of it. You saw pretty much the same show. And right. uh, we we opened up in a theater in uh, just just off Broadway in New York City, and they were two nights of exclusive previews. And it looks like some very promising things are going to be happening for Daniel, and I just couldn't be happier. And uh, I and I just I, I have to tell you I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of Daniel's journey. And and I do have to say one thing before we move on quickly, and it, or before before I move on, but I just want to say it quickly, is um, Daniel and I had uh, dinner at. Um, at at, uh, at a at a little place, and I'm gonna. It was a really yummy, really yummy Chilean food, and the the uh, the the name of the restaurant is Pumaire, P-O-M-A-I-R-E. So I I want to give this restaurant a plug, and and I and I really want to uh, give the owner Nancy um a, a plug as well nancy who owns this wonderful restaurant called Pomer it's on the uh, it's uh, on 46th street um and i believe it's between 8th and 9th avenue so um again in manhattan it's actually in health kitchen so 46th street between 8th and 9th is called Pomer if you're in new york you have to go here the the, the food is phenomenal the the, the service is outstanding and it, it, it just we had a great evening uh i think it was thursday night that we we had dinner there and uh because of course friday and saturday we were doing the show and um but uh but it just so so much fun so much fun and oh and i i, I was able to meet a a friend of daniel's uh, a couple friends of his that uh um marco and sid so Sid Haywood is – I believe she's at uh, number six in the U.K. pop charts right now. And uh, she's a very close friend of Daniel's. And I got to tell you, she was – she came to the show. And I believe she performed today at uh, the New York Pride event. So everybody who's in New York, happy Pride. Uh, but uh, I just had a great time. And, oh, one more thing. And I'm sorry. I know I said it would be quick. Um but uh, I just want to thank uh, Scott Kramer and Rex for coming out to see the show Saturday night. I want to thank uh, Marco Dante and Rob for coming out to see the show, and I want to thank Chris Mongeau and Stuart for coming out to see the show. It really meant a lot to me to have all of them there, and, of course, it meant a lot to me to have everybody there, but um, uh, they were there and supportive of Daniel and supportive of me, and and, um, I, I... I have a feeling that we're going to be seeing a lot more of Daniel Bauer and uh, Beyond Belief uh, soon. So had a great
1: time. Great time. cool. There's Congratulations people. to you and, you and to Daniel, um, both of you yeah. uh, for a successful opening two nights. You know, I know Saturday sold out, so that's that's awesome. That you guys were able to do that and and raise awareness at the same time. So uh, yeah. kudos to you both. There's a couple things I do want to talk about before sure. uh, our guests. Uh, before I bring our guests on is, one, if you are on Twitter, uh, one of the things that uh, me and Jeremy is a part of is a thing called hashtag HIV. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get um, HIV, basically the trend, on, um, on Twitter. So it's never happened, and we're trying to do it basically during the AIDS conference. But if we can do it at all during, um, from now until the AIDS conference, July 27th is when it ends you know, it would be great. So what we want you to do is if you're on Twitter, we want you to follow uh, the at, hashtag HIV. It's the word hashtag HIV um, on Twitter, that handle, and just be involved and become one of those Twitter activists that can really help us, um, you know, spread the word and, and make HIV and AIDS trends for the first time on Twitter. So that's one thing Absolutely. I want you to do. Um, another thing that is coming to an end almost next week will be uh, the end of the Red Ribbon Photo Challenge. So if you haven't already voted for your favorite, please go to uh, the I and Radio Show Facebook page, uh, like us, and then like your favorite Red Ribbon Photo submission. Um, so <coughs> do that. And then this is something that we're going to actually, Pause and Radio is going to do every month. We're going to try to partner maybe with different organizations and do different um, photo challenges, and for the month of July, we're going to actually partner with Hashtag HIV and do a really cool photo challenge, and we'll bring you more information on that next week, um, you know, when July starts. I do want to talk about two really great upcoming shows we have next week. We have Sean Decker coming on, the author of um My Pet Virus, and the following week, July 8th, we will be speaking with uh, Timothy Brown, a.k.a. the Berlin patient, the first main curative AIDS, is going to come on, and there's a lot of controversy um, surrounding him in the cure. So he's going to come on and kind of settle some of that and, and share his experience of what it's like to be somebody who was positive to now somebody who is not. So I think, you know, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh,
0: Jeremy, you know you what? I, yeah, no, I, I am with you. I, I, I'm sorry I was uh, saying hello in the chat room. Hello in the chat room. Um, I can't wait to have Sean Decker back. Um, it, it, the original Positoid himself, I love it.
1: I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to have yeah. him back as so, well. Yeah, has, his band actually has um, a new album coming out, so he's giving me some music to uh, download and play a new single. And you know, he's going to come on and talk about kind of promote his band and what he's doing. You know, he blogs for Paws and all that, so he he's very involved. So it's always great to have. Uh, I feel like an old friend. I've met him once, an old friend back on the show.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be great. You know what? You know what we need is we need to get him and Gwen on the show hmm You know, both of them. No, actually, because they I, actually
1: were both on the show once together. Oh, okay. I wasn't.
0: I wasn't there.
1: No, Those I think count. Jack hosted it. Yeah, it was a Wednesday, <laughs> I and mean, they both were on the show together. Yeah. Um, the very first time they were on. Yeah,
0: maybe maybe we can um, maybe we can pull her on because I I have a lot of questions for her. Yeah. Namely, how does he put up? How does she put up with him?
1: <laughs> well, we could we could always have her come on, and she could probably do a show by herself.
0: And oh, I, actually, I think
1: that, that would very be great. Much so, yeah, maybe I'll yeah. reach out to her after um, the interview with Sean. But mm-hmm. um, I want to kind of move over to tonight's topic, which is HIV criminalization. Tonight we're going to have Nick Rhodes come on um, and share his story and talk a little bit about, um, you know, his situation with um, basically <laughs> going to jail. So um, <laughs> he's on the line. Basically, for, okay. for, well, basically, let me just tell you a little bit about before he comes on. Nick Rhodes was convicted. Of criminal transmission of HIV in Iowa in two thousand and eight, even though his viral load was undetectable, he wore a condom and his accuser did not contract HIV. He was sentenced to twenty five years in prison and a lifetime and basically a lifetime registration on the sex offender list. After a year of incarceration, the judge reconsidered his sentence and released him on five years' probation, um, but he still you know was required to register as a sex offender. His case is still ongoing, and he's going to come on and basically talk about what he's doing now to help change the laws. He was featured in uh, the documentary, HIV is Not a Crime, which was um, spearheaded by Sean Strude. Um So please help me welcome
2: Nick Rose to the show. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. Hello. 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 How are you, man? And man. Can I say that you both are looking very handsome tonight?
0: <laughs> oh, are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love
2: that shirt, Robert. It really brings out your eyes. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, and and you
0: you just love the 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 worn-out look that I have from being on two <laughs> airplanes in two different cities, and you know, and just <laughs> just getting in. You know, I literally, literally just got out of the town car and and came into the came into my apartment here. So, so oh, oh my gosh. You're I, didn't I didn't want to say anything.
2: I didn't want to say anything. I I
0: know, but so you're very kind to to <laughs> think that that to to say that we look that I look okay. So I I, I will take that, thank you,
2: thank you very Actually, much. Actually, I, I have seen your picture on the website, so I do know that uh, you do look okay. <laughs> okay. So thank you for having me. R- more no, than no, okay. no, no,
0: no. wait, 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 wait. No, no.
2: Oh, just no, I don't know, okay. I knew I just, I you you look
0: dashing, handsome, uh,
2: absolutely
0: fabulous. Debonair, <laughs> you know, stunning, better. You know, it dropped <laughs> head, <laughs> Yeah, it's drop yeah, drop head force. So yeah, 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 I'm with you, okay, okay,
2: now I feel much better. We can move gonna, on now. <laughs> you, you're not going to cut me off for. anything. Oh, Um, I I don't know what happened.
0: Uh, Where did he go? Oh, sorry,
2: Nick. (laughs) We're
0: going to have to (laughs) fill the next 45 minutes with something
1: else. So, Nick, thanks for taking the – yeah, well, we're excited to have you come on. Um, You know, this is a a subject that a lot of people um, uh, are are talking about. Um, You know, a lot of press is going around you right now. I saw that you were – you know, um, in, in the what is it, the, the Gay San Diego Times and Washington Post and different things. So the conversation is brewing. I don't know if it's the healthiest conversation that people are having in the comment walls, um, but I think it's good. And and I commend you for being so brave to put yourself out there, and um, you know, in such a vulnerable spot. I mean, I commend you for because I think it takes a lot of guts
2: and, and a lot of heroism. Well, I think you're laying it on. Thicker than I deserve, but thank you nonetheless. <laughs> Did you say the uh, Washington? What were the publications you were just saying? What well, was
1: the, 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 the San Diego? Is it the, the Gay San Diego Times? The other one was the Huffington Post. Not Washington.
2: Sorry, Huffington Post. Uh, yeah. Oh, Huffington Post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some lively discussion going on um, revolving around my application. Uh, for my appeal for post-conviction relief. But, you know what, sometimes if you need to make a change, sometimes you just need to get people talking, and uh, sometimes that can be arguing. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, I gets a little crazy, but at least it's, you know, bringing the topic to the forefront of people's minds, which uh, it, it hadn't been, um yeah, I'm not saying it's just my case, but, you know, just everything is mushrooming. And um, so it, it, the first step is getting... People to know what's going on and having that conversation and those debates so that's kind of exciting I think that's important
1: and, and again I know that you know this is an ongoing case so if there's anything that is asked that we uh, you, you don't feel comfortable answering just say it and we'll be totally cool with it it's not a big deal um, I just you know want to make sure that you're not uncomfortable in any situation or put yourself anywhere so that's where I want to start with first tell me basically how it started with you when were you diagnosed And what was that situation like for you? I was
2: diagnosed in 1998, and um, I remember that it really, I I had so many other unfortunate personal struggles in my life at the time that when I got my positive test result, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, just one more thing, just add it to the list, you know. I I, I really took more of a quasi sort of, Attitude towards it, just because uh, it just other things in my life it just seems so overwhelming that it didn't have its own identity, I guess. But
1: were, uh, your, were your counts good when you were diagnosed?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I knew exactly, you know, when uh, I was infected, and so I got you know tested regularly anyway. But I knew uh, after I had had. Uh, after I had had an encounter with somebody that, uh, it was, it was probably riskier than, um, I thought of, I thought it would be at the time. So, anyhow, I, I did get tested and certainly not, it wasn't a surprise, so that always makes those things a little bit easier. Um, but, uh, so my, I, w- my problem was, Robert, as you know from doing the PSA, I was given the option to go on meds. Um, or to wait to go on med until, you know, my um, my CD4 dropped. And so I moved to Texas, and I honestly, it just became this part of my life that I just wanted to pile away in a drawer somewhere. You know, it was like I was always lingering in the back of my mind, you know, I've got to get, you know, I've got to get some new labs drawn. I've got to see where I'm at. And I just kept putting it off and putting it off and, Next thing you know, I mean, I was under 200. I think I was at 183. So that's technically an age diagnosis, which is no good. Um, But, uh, yeah, I take full responsibility for everything start to finish. Um, Uh, And how long
1: ago was it you were diagnosed? I'm sorry? 1998.
2: Okay, so
1: 1998, and you started meds in what year?
2: I started meds in 2004, so eight years later.
1: Okay, so the reason I asked you about your your counts being good is because for me, my accounts were my counts were good, and I didn't have to go on meds right away, so it was easier to kind of ignore it and not worry about it because you didn't feel like you were really sick or it was something you had to take care of because you weren't taking that right. med every day. So it kind of exactly. changes that's why I was asking if if that was why it wasn't
2: a big deal when you were diagnosed. No, you're you're certainly right. I mean, I have a friend who you know he's positive, and it's it's time for him to go on meds, but he knows that. Once he makes that change in his life, I mean, that's it, you know, for the rest of his life. His life is forever altered, you know, in a, a daily reminder, you know, in the form of pills, you know, um, in addition to just the lab work that's getting done now. So that's when it really seems to hit you. Um, otherwise, you're right. It is kind of easy mess, not for me so much to forget about it, but just to kind of put it to the back of my mind, you know, where okay, I'm I'm not sick because I can get up and do my daily routine just like I did before. Nothing's really changed and not thinking meds I just have to, you know, go get some lab work done every so often, but once once you do seven meds that's when it seems to uh become more real. At least For,
1: for me it the, the one thing about starting meds for me, you know, like we were talking about it, was like the reality sunk in because you're you're taking something. Did Did you battle with any kind of a depression because of of starting meds because of like the realization of it all? Because I know for me, it kind of that's when it hit.
2: Strangely enough, I mean, I I suffered from depression since I was in sixth grade, and uh, actually, I have bipolar, which is. Uh, excellent. It's an excellent um, mental disorder. But uh, so no, I, I mean, I could <laughs> just say it was
0: an excellent mental disorder. <laughs> it's a
2: fascinating mental disorder because you just are so unpredictable. You know what I mean? You don't can know. You, what you can, did.
0: So, so can you, for for some of our um, listeners who may not know what bipolarism is? Can, can you give just, you know, the 30-second elevator description of what it is?
2: I can try. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I just play <laughs> one on the Internet. Um, <laughs> bipolar disorder is where you vacillate between depressive low state and also manic high state, and then, of course, every uh, point in between on the spectrum. So there are times where you are completely feeling, quote-unquote, normal. Yet that doesn't mean that you're medicated properly. So you just—it's very hard. Number one to diagnose because you know if you're in a depression and you come out of it, you know, and you're headed towards a, a period of mania, then you think I'm getting better. Or when you're in that middle state in between depression and mania, and you're totally normal, you think I'm doing fine. I don't need meds. You know, it's just—it's—it's uh, it's very hard to isolate and determine, A, that you have it, and B, to find, you know, the right kind of medication that works because, you know, there's so many out there that work differently with different people, and that was a huge, huge struggle in my life until actually 1998 when I got arrested, or, uh excuse me, um, 2008 when I got arrested, that's when I finally found a mood stabilizer that worked really well for me and still had, so that was a good thing. How was that for thirty seconds? A little overs. That, no, that was
0: perfect. So, so okay. really, kind of for the layman, it's <clears throat> it, there, there's there's volatility. It, there's volatility in the emotion. Oh yeah,
2: right. Absolutely, so absolutely. I'm unpredictable.
0: You can be, yeah, you can be up. You can be down. Um, and it doesn't always have to be um, angry um, or depressed. Or it could be a combination of all of those things. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yep, you're just like your emotions are just running amok and, you know, you have no control You know, you sometimes smack with someone for no reason and the next day you're out just on top of the world And, you know, sleep two hours a night because you're just up so high, feeling so good and
0: are, are you on top of the world, looking down on creation, and the only
2: explanation I
0: can find? Oh,
2: sorry. I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Thank everybody loves. That was delightful. That was delightful.
0: Everybody loves Karen Carpenter now and again. Oh, and, and, really? and I mean, I mean, everyone does, even though they might have poo-pooed the Carpenters in the '70s and the '80s we you know. all we all secretly had our carpenters albums
2: oh yes <laughs> well i i, I uh, didn't know anyone ever poo-pooed the carpenters i don't know what that would all be about
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord so so Nick, oh, tell sorry. Me that, I had to you, no you're fine jeremy Um, You're you're diagnosed and then you you finally, you said you start meds in 2000, what was the year, too? 2004. 2004. Now, at any Mm -hmm. point before that, were you involved in any kind of activism? Were you involved in any kind of support group? Did you have any kind of support around you?
2: Um, Well, I did volunteer work related around HIV AIDS, you know, in my community, but uh, just because that's just what I had always done. And right. so that never changed or stopped. And as far as, you know, HIV and how I dealt with it, the short answer is I really didn't. Um, like I say, I really just filed it away. And uh, I'm sure there, you know, were support outlets out there for me, but I never researched them. I never, I really didn't want to know. I just wanted to wait until I knew I had to go in meds. And until then, I just want to pretend like this did not exist, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's pretty much what I did, you know, I hid it from all of my closest friends, and which at the time seemed like a rational thing to do because, you know, you fear rejection and uh, judgment and all those things that we all know about, and mm-hmm. you just come to find out that when you actually do tell people, uh, they are very, they embrace you and are very understanding and warm, and you're just like, oh, I really, I could have had this support, and had this huge weight off my shoulders years ago, but I I chose to uh carry it around with me. So um lots of mistakes. We made mistakes. So did you
1: did you tell your family and friends before um you you were arrested or was that after?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I told I mean all of my um all my family, all my close friends, they all knew. Um it it really wasn't ever talked about just because I don't know why they would, you know, really bring it up other than to ask if I had been, you know, consistent with my lab work, but um, it, it wasn't any secret by any means, but at the same time, I didn't really want it getting out beyond my close social network because right. of my job, you know, I mean, I uh, I worked at the Chamber of Commerce and you know I all these sorts of things I just feared that if somehow it were to get out in a small community like Iowa specifically, you know, getting out of the like Peter Falls, Waterloo, Waverly, uh those that sort of information, uh you know, it, it it gets around very quickly. And, you know, when you're representing a business you kind of feel like, you know, your image is reflective on, you know, the business that you represent, and so I just, I just felt like it was something that I needed to keep uh, on a need to know basis, other than my friends and family, which needed to know from my own personal support. So,
1: when take take us through what you can, the day of when, when it all happened, when it all went down, when they came and arrested you. What was that <sighs> like for you? Having flashbacks.
2: Why are you doing this to me, Robert? Um <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it was it was absolutely like I just was in shock. I mean Robert Suttle said uh oh where did he say it? It was in the documentary trailer, he said, you know, I never thought I would be ever go to a police station or go to jail because I always considered myself to be a law abiding citizen. I might have those words verbatim. And I kind of was the same way. If anything, you know, I was was really nerdy and just very much uh, afraid of authority, you know, and um, kind of meek, and, you know, I just, you know, I I did not get in trouble, you know, and to have three openly armed police detectives, like, approach me in my work, like, my heart just, like, stops. And, of course, you know, it's just, like, I just didn't know what to do, what to think. And, you know, of course, all of my boss and, and coworkers were there. And, of course, it's Waverly, Iowa. They want to know what's going on. Are you in any trouble, Nick? Oh, I don't think so. I'm sure to fine. I'm just going to go down to the police station. I'll be back in a little bit, um, in like 25 years. But I, so I remember that the police asked me to follow them uh, the detectives asked me to follow them to the sheriff's office, and so I'm in my car by myself, and I call up my best friend, and I go, Larry, I think I'm going to go to prison. I think I'm getting arrested. I am terrified right now. I don't, I don't know what's going on for sure, and I just, I don't know. My, my heart was just racing a mile a minute. I came So they didn't actually come out. Go ahead, Jeremy.
0: They did Yeah, that that was the question I was going to ask, Robert. <laughs> I, I was going to ask of. They didn't actually come in and say, um, Mr. Rhodes, you're under arrest. They said, Mr. Rhodes, come
2: with us. Correct. They they requested that I go to the police station. They didn't uh, demand it of me because they were still doing an investigation. Uh they didn't have all of their you know, ducks in a to their satisfaction they did, at that point. So
0: so in the legal sense they didn't have probable cause yet to arrest you?
2: I really don't think I'm qualified to
0: Right, right. No. No. And you, 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 right, you're right, but they they said, and and that was, and ladies and gentlemen, listeners, <laughs> that was my statement. That wasn't anybody else's statement. That was my opinion. Oh no, no, no. Because because I've been seeing way too many Law and Order episodes and CSI. <laughs> um, but uh, so so really, they they requested your presence down at the station. They like said, we, we need you to come down and talk
2: to us, is what they said to you. Yes, they asked if I would. And unbeknownst to me, at the time, uh, a search warrant had been issued for my house. So while I was tootling down to the sheriff's department, uh, there were three police officers at my home going through sure. everything. And yep. all they really wanted to find were my antiretroviral medications. And so when I found that out, you know... I asked them, you know, I will tell you exactly where they were at. You do not need to, like, tear up my house. And it's just, I mean, all the people that they put on this, I mean, three people to come take me down to, you know, the station for questionings from a, an adjacent county, in fact, and then three officers to search my home for three bottles of pills. I just, like, wow, they're putting a lot of manpower on there. But uh just the gravity of, of how serious it was, I guess, started to, you know, click right away when I could, I could see how much um, it's going into this. You know, I'm Wow. I'm not wow. The law. wow. So, hey,
0: so uh, we are. I, I, sorry, sorry, Nick. I just wanted to let our listeners know that we are actually at the bottom of the hour, and we are speaking with Nick Rhodes, and we're talking about. Um, uh his incarceration and uh the dealing with uh HIV and criminalization at this point. And and Nick you also um have and, and we touched on it briefly in at the beginning of the show, you you uh you appear in a uh documentary um that Sean Strubs has Strubbs has uh put together, yeah?
2: Yes, along with uh Robert Settle and Monique Marie and now a number of other people are have been filmed and are being filmed, um, but they will be part of the final production.
0: Terrific. and when do you know when the production comes out?
2: I don't. I would have to speak with Sean about that. Um yep. he's he's just going crazy all over the world, uh I know. people and I mean yeah. this is just a passion for him and thank God for us, uh, you know, 'cause he is uh he's so good at it. He's so smart. And um, I appreciate the fact that he is also trying to get, you know, people who are complaining witnesses to sit in front of the camera, not in a gotcha sort of way, but just, you know, we want to hear your side. Uh, he's trying to get, I mean, a very, you know, um, well-rounded, uh, right, you know, sort of picture of the situation and not just one coming from... Activists, or you know, people who are trying to have the laws repealed. So,
0: yeah. So to be on to get on a, a bit of a serious note, a little bit, because um, HIV criminalization is is a scary thing when, um, especially when you do all of the right things, and mm-hmm. then you find out that there are states out there who have. Um, or states that have—I shouldn't say states who, because you a know, state isn't a person—but you, you have states out there that have laws on the books about disclosure, specifically disclosure, that regardless of any precaution or or you know that you take, that you as an HIV-positive person, and and um, speaking from a state, in and in, here in North Carolina. It has such a law that says if you are HIV positive, you are required by law to disclose to any potential partners, regardless of any safety uh, precautions that you take take in. Mm -hmm. Um, Where do you – I want to – this is going to be a – this might be a touchy question. Lay it on
2: me. Lay it on me. Yeah, yeah. All right. All
0: right. How do you feel now that you've gone through this process that you, I mean your house has been searched you are being you, you're following these police officers to the station you are getting ready to be booked most likely how are you feeling at this point in your journey now that you've gotten off the phone with your friend and you're sitting, you know, you're walking into
2: the station. Well, I, I really hadn't planned on going here, but based on that specific question, there's, uh, I pretty much decided that if I were charged, if they actually went through and, and filed charges, that my life was over. And I determined then and there that, you know, I was going to end it. And uh, I did not see a future for myself. Uh, with being a Class B felon, having the whole world know that I'm uh, HIV positive, have AIDS, uh, that I am a sex offender, you know, in addition to the struggles that I already had before, you know, with bipolar and whatnot, it just seemed like, that's just like, I can't take one more thing. And this isn't just one more little thing. This is like a very, you know, very heavy, heavily weighted thing. And Mm -hmm. I just, I told myself that, that was it. It was just a very um, simple thing, and, you know, then I was charged. And um, I don't know that my lawyers let me talking about this. I didn't fancy, but, you know, I, I did. I, I attempted suicide right before I got uh, actually arrested. I knew that there was a warrant out from my arrest. Uh, my mother had called me, and that was kind of staying with a friend in the interim. And so when she called me and said the came and they had issued a warrant and I said, okay. And, uh, yeah, I I guess I'm not very good at, uh, at doing that. So I, it failed. Thank God I got it. it was, well, so,
0: thank, thank God you didn't succeed. Thank God you, you didn't know. go through with it. Because I, for yeah. one, am glad you're here.
2: Oh, thank you. I will. We need to go out and have coffee sometime. I yes, we do. It's it's not so even much about me, but I it would destroy my mother. It It would destroy my mother.
0: You know (laughs) what? Any any time that you go through something like this, it destroy it. It it has the potential to destroy your life and the lives around you, or it has the potential to strengthen your bond and your relationship. It, it it has those two potentials.
2: Right? Correct. Yeah, that yeah, that's logical. Yep. Uh my father and I we at one point split waves during this um this whole situation. Uh we took a different set of opinions on yep. some things and we couldn't come to a consensus and to talk like rational people and so this whole situation was the catalyst for the reason that I haven't talked to my father since 2008. And well, I, I'm sorry I,
0: to hear that. No, no, I'm not. I really am
2: not looking for. I'm sorry. to Thank you, though. But you know, yep. To you know, you know, illustrate your point, though. My mother and I have become much closer. You know, she was the one who stood by me and, and believed in me, and you know, I told her certain opinions um, about my case or whatnot, uh, yeah. you know, she she was with me and she has been there with me the whole time, so I owe her a huge debt of gratitude.
0: You know, it it sounds like you have a wonderful support in your mother. And um and it's nice to see that when I'm gonna I'm tearing up for a minute, and I'm sorry. because this is hard for me to, to talk about. But um it, it, it's nice to have and it's nice to see that when parents see that these are their children that are that are hurting it's nice that makes it's nice to see that the parents step in and 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 support those children regardless if they're adult children or not and and so y i i kudos
2: to mom kudos you know, to mom I second that i mean. Right now, I'm sure I don't know what time it is Yeah, I suppose she is a Bill O'Reilly freak, loves Fox News. She <laughs> is very far right. Uh, we <laughs> argue constantly over politics. You know, she's a very conservative um, person. Grew up in a very conservative yeah. household, and and yeah, my like stepfather my <laughs> is a Baptist, You know, Baptist. You know, he's very. Um, you know, he's a very staunch Christian. But these people do not make me feel like I am you know, anything but, but addict, you know, but fine, you know, they make me feel good about myself. Um, they support me. Yeah. It's just, it just goes to show you, you don't have to let your political or your religious views, um, get in the way of how you deal with, with relationships, you know? Yeah. So I I am, I'm very lucky. And thank you for saying so.
0: I, I think, I think you really are. It sounds like you have a wonderful mother. You know, even though she she leans to the right and she's a Republican and she listens to that (laughs) 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 Bill O'Reilly, you know what? But not everybody can be perfect,
2: like us. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we she lives in a town of eight hundred people, and yeah, you know, this is also very embarrassing for her. You know, Um, you're. Her son is a convicted felon, sex offender. You know, uh, HIV positive, and I'm sure she is just like, you know, what did I do wrong, you know, or something like that. You know, parents always go there, even if it's completely unfounded. And um, but just dealing with that in a small town, a small community, the horror of it, and then just the horror of, you know, having to, you know, I didn't get to hug her for 13 months, you know, because we were separated by bulletproof glass and. You know, it was very hard on her, um, and so the things that she's dealt with, or I just can't imagine what she's dealt with. You know, so it, it's not just for who, yeah, It's I feel terrible just thinking about what she's gone through.
1: No, I think, I think, you know, it, it's great that you have that support. Like Jeremy was saying, it, it's really important. And, our, and the mother's love is so strong for their child, you know, regardless of their age or their sexual orientation or their HIV status. That love isn't usually always there. So yep. what I'm saying is I it think it's be. great that, that you have that. Um, we actually are down to the last 20 minutes of the show, so I do want to open up the phone lines. If you guys would like to call in and speak to Nick, you can reach us at 347-215-9442 or tweet us your questions at Am on Twitter. Nick, you've gone from somebody who was kind of very keep it within my circle of friends, don't want anybody to know, to now kind of being all over YouTube, all over Facebook, Twitter. You're on the radio show here. Your life is you're everywhere now. You know your stories, like we said earlier, on the Huffington Post. How has that transition been?
2: Uh, I have no control over any of this stuff. Truly, I mean, granted, I could have declined to do the radio show, or I could have declined to go to Cineve, all these things. But, um, you know, a lot of the publicity and a lot of the things, uh, they just, I, I can't control them. And I've learned not to try, even though it's very hard. You know, I, I see some of the postings about my um, my appeal, and it, it's very hard not to get upset. But um, as far as being in the spotlight, I you don't know. I don't even like that word, spotlight or whatever. It, sometimes these things are just kind of put upon you and you just have to kind of do the right thing. Um, I just, uh, I'm not, I'm not a poster child. God, I hate that word. And I, I think Robert and Monique would, you know, I don't think they like that word either. But, you know, sometimes when you're just in a situation and you might have a story or a voice that might help um change something that's wrong, you almost have a responsibility uh to to use to exercise that voice, so that other people are you know um you know know what, you know what
0: that right you know what the term is the 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 actual- the actual word is leader you're you're stepping out in front yeah. you're taking a risk and and you are leading the discussion you are in and, and that's that's what i see you as i don't see you as a poster child i certainly you know i see you as a leader in a very in a movement that requires a voice and and nick you are you and and and, and robert and monique who who we've had on the show by the way and and you can mm-hmm. always get those shows you know, later, you know not right now while you're listening, of course, but if you want to go back to other previous shows, we've had both Robert and Monique on as well. Um Monique Marie and Robert Suttle. But uh but tonight we're talking with Nick Rhodes. And but you are absolutely a leader in, in this movement, Nick. And 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 I for one am um and thrilled to be a part of This discussion with you Because um, you've inspired me
2: To talk more about This issue So thank you Incredible, thank you And um, I By the way, did listen to the shows With Robert and uh, Well done And I, I, I don't see myself As a poster child or a leader In fact, I actually I think we're all just We have voices You know, we all have little parts That we play in something that You know, part of a big Symphony, and I just play one instrument, you know. Um, But, you know,
1: Nick, you've actually used your voice for a couple important issues surrounding HIV. You also were featured in um, the ADAP Advocacy Association's ADAP public service announcement that actually I was involved with, and, um, well, Michelle Anderson, our friend, Ms. Plus, and Brandon, and all that. But, what made you do that? What made you get involved in that? Because these are like the two biggest issues for us living with HIV right now, is app and meds and HIV criminalization. And you're using your voice and your face for both of these. And for me, I agree. I want to mimic exactly what Jeremy said. You are a leader. You know, if you don't want to take the, the, the title, that's fine. But we're going to give it to you anyway, because that's what you guys are doing. <laughs> you're using your voice to lead where people are afraid. So many people are silent in these areas and, and and you using your voices is, is great. So en- enough with the kudos. I'm sure you're tired and blushing already. Perfect, to I want to yeah. I- get back to some of the, the points um, with your case since we're winding down. Um, I want to just first lay out the facts for people who are listening who may have missed it earlier or tuning in later. Um, Nick was you know, convicted, of a, of, uh, convicted of criminal transmission of HIV in Iowa in 2008. His viral load was undetectable. He wore a condom. And protected the person that he had sex with and did not pass on HIV and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. Now, tell me that isn't crazy. Call in and tell us what you think about that. 347 215 9442. Nick, where is what you can share with us? Where is your case at now?
2: Uh, it has just been, we have a, an application to appeal the decision at the county level for post conviction relief we have appealed to the Iowa Supreme Court. So that has been just recently filed by land legal. Um, So it's going to be, it's a brilliant. um, I'm certainly no lawyer, uh, although I've got enough of them. But I, it's just really well done uh, with the work that they've done. Scott Shadis and Christopher Clark um, and then Eric Goldon has been helping me with, you know, making sure I don't make any terrible Joe Biden gas, but uh, that, so right now it's, it's in their possession. Um, Catherine Hanson's with point for trade law and policy, my boss uh, is working with two other organizations working on a very, from what I've seen so far, a very effective amicus brief um, for the court and the court did give them an extension so that they could do that. I think that, I mean, I certainly can't, Stay within in their heads when they do it, but I would like to believe that, you know, they you know, the justice system and, you know, the legislature is saying, okay, this is something we really need to we we need to look at, we need to talk about it. Um, I don't know, but they they very quickly gave us an extension on our brief, so right now we're just kind of, nothing's going on, other than, you know, just uh, uh, settled by you know, just the Word on the street, people talking about. Uh, one of
1: the, one of the things that I remember you mentioned in the documentary, HIV is not a crime, was that you weren't actually even able to, in this day and age, go on social media sites like um, Facebook or Twitter or things of that nature. Um, has any of that changed at all, and how has that affected? Because like everything is online now, so how, you know, has that affected your life
2: with, you know, the. Craziness of social media right now. Well, I've I've learned to work around it. I mean, part of my job as outreach and event specialist uh, is doing Facebook um, stuff and and Twitter postings. And but if I had to get this very special permission, you know, that I could actually log onto our accounts to do any of this work. And but you know, I have absolutely zero malice towards the probation office. I mean, they are just doing what the state tells them to do i have a really great probation officer and i'm very lucky um but so no i i don't do twitter I, I don't do facebook uh i'm very 2001 i'm very email oriented um you know facetime skype whatever but i don't do any of that other social networking um i can be on pause personal but i got a, a special sort of waiver for that but um there are other restrictions that, you know, I, I lived in Texas for, oh goodness, I think six months. I moved back in March back to Iowa. I don't know why. Uh, but when I was in Texas, the circumstances that led to my conviction here in Iowa would not have been a crime at all in Texas. So here I'm, you know, like, you know, it, the, my lifetime sex offender registry has been changed to 10 years because they found out that they were incorrect. So ten years sex offender registry, Um, class b selling and all the good stuff that goes along with that, twenty five years in prison and in Texas not a crime at all. It just goes to show how these states, you know, the laws in the various states can be so drastically different. And that in itself to me shows a problem. And but I was delighted to have moved to Texas because I was not a sex offender in that state, so Apparently, I'm I'm more sexually dangerous geographically speaking. And when I'm in Iowa, I must be more sexually dangerous, but in Texas, I'm not. Uh, I had a probation officer in Texas <laughs> who said that he did not believe that what happened should have been criminal. So he was very he was excellent. He said, "Just bring in your sixty-two dollars a month, come see me every month, and I will leave you alone." Um, and then I moved back to Iowa, but again, I have people at the probation office, they're just doing what they're supposed to, but uh, the restrictions are very uh, they're very, very um, intense. I mean, there's the general stuff, you know, midnight curfew and then no alcohol and bars and stuff like that, but you know, I can't, the one that I still can't get over is I can't be around any minors without them being supervised by their parents. Even though this is a consensual situation with another adult Somehow, the way that these laws are written, they just kind of blanket. They just kind of fold me into, uh, you know, a sex offender tier, and whatever.
0: Yeah, whatever. And when people, so so what? And and when people think sex offender, what do they think?
2: You know what they're thinking, Jerry Sandusky. They're
0: they're thinking Jerry Sandusky.
2: Certainly yes. And of course, the website. Yeah, the websites do not specify. I don't know that I would really want it suicide in my case, but they don't say why you're on there for the sex offender registry. It just says you're a sex offender, So it could be anything. And And most people are going to jump to that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: and and quite honestly, talking about sex registry, I know a couple of people who are on that list for public urination.
2: Uh Uh-huh, yep. It's it's outrageous, and the money that we spend to... (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, you peed outside, so how much money are the taxpayers going to spend to put you on a sex offender? I mean, come on. Yep.
0: Yeah.
2: Whatever. Or, yeah, people who streak at a football game, uh, they're sex offenders. I think you can sex, you know, send a little naughty something over your text messaging. I think that can be, can that be a sex offender because that person did not invite you. To show you anything pornographic, and so if you're sending that to them, it's basically like indecent exposure I'm told Yeah, and that's I can't type off but yeah, so it's oh, just yeah uh, a lot of different classifications of sex we, murder, but you're right don you yeah.
0: well i i I gotta tell everybody that we are literally at like just about six to seven minutes left sorry. of the show I mean, I'm can sorry. you believe that I why are you so no, that's what this is. It's called a talk show, Nick. Uh, it's I a talk both. show, and and we we get we're supposed to have guests on that speak and talk. <laughs> we don't want you. We we and and, and it only works because it's radio, and and um, <laughs> it, it wouldn't work if we just sat here silently for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> You so see can how that callers
2: could call in and they could say, well, Why isn't anyone saying anything? Finally, the callers get a chance to actually get a call <laughs> in exactly
0: uh, so so again we're we're down to our last six minutes, and um uh, we would really love to invite our listeners to call in at three four seven two one five nine four four two and uh ask ask uh Nick a question or if you have a comment or or what have you um Nick, w- w- so so as we're winding down, what's what's on the horizon
2: for you? Um, let's see. Uh, that you can talk oh, about. I, I do want to point out that uh, the Positive Justice Project is, I mean, I work for the Center for HIV Law and Policy, but I very specifically work with uh, the Positive Justice Project, which is, it's a nationwide uh, movement uh organized with uh, professionals, uh policymakers, but also, you know, people who, anybody who's interested in the issue that uh, can try to work to get these laws changed, um, you know, come together as a, a group of nationals. And we are having a convening in uh, Washington, D.C. right before the International AIDS Conference on July 20th from 10 until 5. And so that's The title of the convening is "Making Sex a Crime and Spit a Deadly Weapon: The Criminal Treatment of HIV." I thought that was a pretty good title that he came up with. So uh, we are definitely, if anyone's going to be at IAC, or actually right before IAC, it's July 20th, and we would love to have people there. Uh, It's going to be really, the discussion is going to be very vibrant. We have excellent panelists. the agenda is it's just gonna be very robust. And so if anyone is interested then, you know, they can send an email to info at HIVlawandpolicy.org, and dot org and we can send them information, we can register them, it's free. There'll be refreshments. Um so yeah, it's it's gonna be great.
1: Um Nick, and, I have a question uh, or or basically uh, I'm sorry, were you done there? I don't want to cut you off. Oh, I'm done. Okay, now, um, Tara HIV tweets us. um, Actually, this is more of a comment, two two tweets, actually, to make it up. She said, I think, out of all the HIV criminalization cases that I've heard of, this one has got to be, and then the next tweet says, the most ridiculous. It makes no sense since there was no transmission
2: of HIV and a condom was used. There are more ridiculous ones than mine, Robert. Um, There's someone I believe in Texas serving 35 years for biting a police officer, a law enforcement officer, which, you know, doctors will say there is zero, zero, zero chance that that could have, you know, infected that law enforcement officer, yet they will not do anything about it he's stuck with 35 years because he has HIV and bit a police officer. So my situation is a little severe, but wow, there's some terrible ones out there.
1: It's just crazy and I think that's why it's so important that you, Sean, Monique, and Robert are doing this work and putting your faces and voices out there because it's happening. People are going to jail like you said for biting and for spitting on people. Yeah. So, you know, people with HIV need to really, if you need a reason to become an activist or a reason to speak up, this is your reason. HIV criminalization is the reason because if we don't start speaking up on this issue, we're going to become more, we'll become victims of this and it's going to be more discrimination against us and, and it's just gonna be a horrible, horrible world ahead
2: of us. So if you need a reason to speak up, this is the reason. Complacency is our enemy. And and I do have I do have to point out it's not just uh, about our you know, civil rights, but this is a public health issue too. And I'm not gonna get into all the nuances of that because we're short on time, but you know, these laws uh are have a negative impact on public health and that's why the Iowa Department of Public Health is in favor of doing our laws. So we are trying desperately to uh, do all the things we need to do to get that done. Well, Nick, I want to
1: thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us, and doing the documentary, and just being a leader in this department of the HIV community.
2: Absolutely, uh, I,
0: I have to. I have to agree with Robert. And 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 Nick, I will be at the IAC, but I won't be there the week prior, but I will be there during that week. So I w- it would be an honor um to meet you in person if if we can uh swing it and uh and and I would love to like
2: take you out for coffee or something so we can chat a little bit longer. That would be great. Robert has some sure. information we can pass it along to you. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, thanks for coming
1: With on me. and you have yourself a great night. Is there any way um you want a website or you want to go check
2: out positive justice project yeah if they go to uh h i v law and policy A N D spelled out dot org there is actually uh there's a link from there to the positive justice project there okay, you go. I, 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 just,
0: I i just posted it into the chat room too so
2: yeah there it's, you go. it's it's pretty it's uh, excellent
1: sweet well thank you so much for joining us Nick
2: Oh, thank you both. Have a great night. Yes,
1: Nick. You, you too. too, Nick.
0: This was a great
1: discussion. I appreciate you both. Thank you. And we'll be um, following up on this discussion offline at Posaym Social Network. If you'd like to join the discussion there, you can go to Posaym.com and create your own profile. I want to thank everybody for joining in and, and hang out with us for this hour. What a great discussion with Nick Rhodes um, on HIV criminalization. Uh, you can find more information on Jeremy by going to uh positivelyspeaking.com. More information on my show and uh some upcoming guests that we have and all that good stuff go to com. Jeremy, I'm so glad to hear that you and Daniel had a great weekend and I look forward to much more.
0: Oh, we we're going to have an amazing we have an amazing future I think ahead of us. So, I'm I'm very excited for especially for Daniel. So, and I'm excited for PosioM as well.
1: Yeah, have, stay tuned, everybody, because we're going to have some big announcements coming up for some shows going on during the International AIDS Conference. So, uh, we certainly stay tuned, And uh, yeah. have a great night. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Have a great night, everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Wednesday, or uh, Wednesday, Sunday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bye.
0: Sunday. It's Sunday 9.